zombie ritual, denial of life, sacrificial mutilation, uh, baptized in bloods, regurgitated guts. Welcome to Metal with Mike. I'm your host, Mike, and my guest this week is Joe Diaco, host of the Quarter Rest Podcast. That's not how this works. I am the host, and you are the co-host. All right. But that's okay. That's okay. We can have fun, nonetheless. You are listening to Metal with Mike, where things might get a little heavy, but have no fear, metal is near. (laughs) So in all seriousness, folks, this is episode one of our series, Metal with Mike, in which me and my friend Mike, who is joining me here, Hi, Mike. Say hello. Hi, Joe. I'm here. I'm not uh, Googling as you speak. (laughs) I'm here. I'm participating. Okay, good. I'm hoping this is the level of participation we can expect. So we are going to be discussing... Well, the point of this series is to discuss metal, obviously. It's me talking metal with Mike. It's in the name. Um, Today, we're going to be discussing the discography of a band that is often referred to as... The Godfathers of Death Metal, or one of the progenitors, if that's even how the word is pronounced, of the death metal genre. And that band is called Death, formed in, I actually don't know the year, but formed in the 1980s. I've got the the Wikipedia page open here, so... Tell us. Uh, 1983, Joe. Formed in 1983 by Chuck Schuldiner and a bunch of ringers fact of the matter is this band went through a bunch of lineup changes and chuck was the only guy who played on every album he really was this band he was kind of the brains of the operation but there was still like i think like gene gene hoagland drum for them for a while and he's kind of a big deal now so like yeah yeah there was some uh some great people involved but Oh, and there were some other people from other bands, and we'll we'll get into that. But we're going to be running through the discography, starting with their first album, released 1987. This album is called Scream Bloody Gore, and it is often considered to be the first, or certainly one of the first, death metal albums. It introduced many of the characteristics of the genre, the deep grunted vocals the fast guitars the blast beat drums and of course the band was called death so how could they not be the first death metal band it's in the name so mike yes want to give us some initial impressions of this album or just overall impressions uh this album rules i think like i don't want to talk too much of everything else but for me this one, this is the one that 
I think Rock's the hardest by far. It's it's like the most straightforward album they've recorded, I think, as well. Mm. It's kind of, you get a little bit of a Slayer vibe from it, I think. Oh, big uh, time. The speed and kind of the only, like his, his vocals obviously are kind of his own thing. Um, but yeah. it's it's thrashier, it's heavier. Well, I'm sure you could argue that point, but to me, it just comes off as heavier, more aggressive. Heaviness is a debatable thing. It's a little hard to pin down exactly what makes something heavy, but yeah, it's definitely. I think no matter what, you can you can't deny that this is a heavy album. Exactly, and it just yeah. To me, this one just starts. It starts hard, and it just like it goes the whole way through. There's it's pretty uh, relentless. Yeah, and I mean, like, a lot of the later death stuff um, meanders, you know, they get a little bit more uh, prog-leaning, whereas this one is just, there's nothing fancy going on here. It's great. It just rips the whole way through. Um, it's, yeah, it's a lot so if of fun. You think of an, so if you think of an album like Rain and Blood by Slayer, it's the, that same kind of vibe, although I would say this one is on a even more cartoonish level of yeah. speed and aggressivity uh it's it yeah it's relentless it starts heavy and fast and it ends heavy and fast and there's really not a whole lot of variation in between uh although the riffs do differ you know they don't all sound exactly the same it, it, it can be a little hard to tell one song from another <laughs> which is kind of you know kind of a thing in this genre yeah that's okay um, anyone who likes this sort of stuff isn't really bothered by that i'd like i, I definitely <laughs> wouldn't say i'm um, complaining that you know i'll be like it's one of those albums where you say oh put on song three like you don't know the titles you probably (laughs) couldn't sing a single lyric from it off the top of your head aside from a few standout little bits but yeah it's like that's not the point of this album right like it's it's just meant to go now for me it sort of seemed like you were implying that this is your favorite album for me it's not but i do think yeah it's up there i would say i i think that like when we get to the end and we're kind of talking and the whole thing together. Um, but I would say like, to me, this would be, let's call this the gym album because it's the most straightforward. It's, it's also kind of, it's got a, uh, the recording quality is a lot rawer, which to me comes off as more, uh, it feels almost like it's more of a live, you know, you're at a live show almost. It's not very polished. And it sounds it does, like, it's like cavernous. It, do, it is. It does sound a lot like what I would imagine this band sounded like live. It, like it really does capture just the authentic sound of a band just playing really fast and 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 chugging a lot of notes and like palm muting their guitars and like playing fast. Definitely. And there's there's a lot of so a lot of the like we I, I listen to this on Spotify because it's 2020 and that's what everyone does. Um, they they have deluxe editions of their whole discography at this point, and one of that's true. The part that I I really enjoyed doing was when I was done an album, I would go to the second disc or whatever where it was essentially all the bonus tracks, bonus tracks which were all live recordings or rehearsal recordings. Yeah, and I love those. They just sound they just sound so much more aggressive and so much more primitive, and that sort of to me, that's sort of what you're looking for in a record like this, it's right? W- it's it's what you want with this genre. You want that that just that nasty sound. 
It's yep. not meant to be pretty, and uh, and it ain't. It's not, you know, it's not black metal or whatever. But I, I also don't want it to sound like it's, um, you know, a mid two thousands tech death album where everything just sounds uh, a little artificial. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's it's so far away from that. Yes. I mean, this is definitely coming out of thrash, yes. right? Like this, this is you could call this a thrash album. Because uh, yeah. death metal didn't really exist yet, so it's it's a transitional album for sure. And uh, I like I, the interesting thing about this little project, this listening of all their discography or re-listening in some cases is, I've been listening to metal for a long time, but this is a blind spot for me. Honestly, death aside from symbolic, I had yeah, never listened me? to very much. So this was when you were when you asked, "Hey, do you want to listen to all these death records?" I said. Yeah, that sounds great, because honestly, I've never given them a fair shake, I think. I just kind of jumped over them and moved on. It was the same for me, except for me, it was The Sound of Perseverance. That's the Mm. one I've been familiar with for a long time, and uh, we'll get to that one later, obviously. It's their last album, Um, but it was actually really cool listening to the rest of them, because as a whole, I have a very different impression of this band now than I did just from knowing The Sound of Perseverance. The Sound of Perseverance is pretty, it's it's kind of exceptional in in their discography. It really, it's got some things about it that are pretty unusual. Yes. Uh, compared with the rest of their stuff. Any closing words before we move on to album number two? Uh, I mean, should we talk about the lyrics and stuff? I feel like that's, can... that's a little bit important. If we're, like, okay, if we're talking about this as being... You know, it, it at the time it was probably still considered thrash, but now when you look back at it, you're like, oh, this was a tipping point of some sort where the genres diverged, right? Uh, and and obviously some of that is the um, absurd, the goof, almost goofy horror lyrics on this record. <laughs> yes. I mean, okay, let's read through uh, the song titles: uh, "Infernal Death," "Zombie Ritual," "Denial of Life." <laughs> Sacrificial mutilation, uh, <laughs> baptized in bloods, regurgitated guts, torn to pieces, evil dead, scream bloody gore. Then you know it's uh, beyond the unholy grave, which uh, I think that's my favorite. And then land of no return. <laughs> but it sounds y- you can see where you know cannibal corpse yeah, kind sure. of got the inspiration. Uh, it's just so taking it like several steps further. Further, obviously. and I mean but- the. The album cover is is intense, but yeah, obviously Cannibal Corpse kind of took that and ran with it. Uh, this is, but this is certainly this is, where the seed was planted with all that kind of goofy slasher, gross uh, lyric stuff. Well, it's it's the '80s. This is the era of those slasher films, and and they even reference Evil Dead. They do in the, in the name of one of the songs, so you know where the inspiration is coming from for the lyrics. Like it's it couldn't be more obvious. You're certainly uh, getting what you expect to like there's no surprises here at all the album <laughs> cover the song titles the lyrics and what it sounds like uh to be fair the lyrics are hard to decipher uh Chuck's, pretty much impossible i think i do think that his his lyric uh delivery on this album his his vocal performance may be one of my favorites too because it's again a lot more uh, boneheaded, like primitive <laughs> style. You know, it's caveman esque. 
yeah, and it's it, just it's kind deep of deep screaming yeah and it, it also kind of it's it's mixed in a way where it's just kind of muddled um it just sounds great to me like that's just i think it's great if you're looking for something that has a really underground sound fairly lo-fi not not unlistenably so but yeah. like definitely not polished not pretty uh scream bloody gore you could do worse yeah uh, uh, i would uh, yeah maybe i would also like maybe don't read the lyrics i don't know <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just looking at them some of them are pretty stupid <laughs> they're insanely stupid um, again and you have to like remember uh how young they all were at the time um obviously true. watching too many slasher movies um listening to uh slayer i'm assuming but yeah who also did the the horror movie lyrics yes. a lot i mean yeah. slayer kind of bounced between satan and serial killers that was pretty much what they were writing about at this point in their career so and Death and how many years to later a greater extreme 40 years later metal is still kind of ping-ponging between those two things <laughs> there's a little bit more diversity now but yeah yeah, a little bit. I I would I I would like to. I remember um, going to HMV, the thing we used to do, like mm-hmm. before Spotify, and then especially now before uh, COVID, um, you would go. I, I would go, and I just like sometimes I would buy CDs uh, based on just the album cover or whatever. And I did. That's I bought what people used to do. Yeah, exactly. And I I bought one that I thought looked cool, and I remember looking at it, and uh, I just wanted to like juxtapose this with these lyrics i remember opening the little lyric booklet when i got home and it was it was the nerdiest thing in the world it was it was, it was like five or six long form essays on the nature of time and i was <laughs> <laughs> what album so, was this i think it was uh i think they were called buried inside it was kind of a maybe post hardcore in the style of like isis and again another okay. thing that didn't age well um but yeah, they they sounded sort of like that style of of kind of post hardcore, a little bit of little bit of metalcore in there maybe, but it was more leaning towards the uh, post side of things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the lyrics have diversified, but maybe not for the better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think we can talk about that with Death as uh, as their discography plows on for sure, and as they uh, quote unquote mature. Yep, I. I will say, since we're talking about album covers, this is one of my favorites yeah. from Death. Uh, it is a sort of skeleton king <laughs> sitting on a throne, and there are some, like, I guess, skeleton monks. Acolytes, drinking, maybe. Yeah, some kind of lieutenants of the Dark Lord, and they're, like, drinking from goblets and kind of looking at the looking at the at you i guess looking at the look the viewer and you got that that death logo which has a has like a grim reaper oh. scythe we have to talk about the logo right okay what do you want to say about the logo it's very busy it's super busy but it's it's so unique right like in in um a genre where where you're kind of used to every logo kind of either looking like a blood spatter or or the the twigs of a tree just like this unreadable mass of like of yeah, lines. I don't get the twigs of a tree thing. I don't get why that's cool. Um I well, I mean I don't want to get like it's probably it 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 seems to be more the black metal bands that do that and they're all about walking around in the forest or 
LARPing with your buddies, you know? So yeah, that might be that's it. True. But this one is like, this, this looks like something uh, Chuck probably drew in his, uh, in his trapper keeper at school or something. Oh, for sure. For sure. The, the Especially- D has the like, um, good mm-hmm. Lord. I forgot the word for, um, spider web. <laughs> Yes, the D has a spider web. It does web. have a spider web. I got there in the end. Uh, but yes, the D has the a spider T, web. The T is an upside down cross. It might be on Satan. fire, too. It does look like it's on fire. And the H has like a ghostly face rising out of it. Kind of like popping out to say hi. <laughs> yeah. The only one, in fact, that doesn't really do anything. Oh, no, the E and the A, but they sort of have angles that almost a hint at a pentagram. Um, and the A looks like it kind of has a bone coming out of it. Uh, it's it's a little hard to tell. Well, that turns it's into the scythe, busy, right? <laughs> it does, yeah. It's, and then there's the scythe. It just has... It's death. It's so um, unpolished. It's it's great. It's, you know, an 18-year-old kid drew this for sure, and then they just stuck with it for however many years, a decade or so. All of their albums, yeah. But then on the other side of the of the throne is Scream Bloody Gore in just like a very plain Jane font, like a. I think like, that's Helvetica black and slightly italicized, and it's got quotation marks too, <laughs> which is the best part. Proper like APA style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the quotation marks are great. They really make it. It's just so intense, and then it's just like quote Scream Bloody Gore end quote. <laughs> And it doesn't, I mean, it is all caps, but it's kind of small. It is pretty small. You would expect Scream Buddy, a Bloody Gore to just like take up the entirety of the cover or something, like really. Yeah, or, or be down at the bottom or up at the top or something, but it's not. It's just kind of <laughs> off to the side. It's about 80, 90% off from the left and then 15 off the top. It's just kind of hanging there. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's very strange. I love it. I feel like they ran out of time and they were like, we got to get the album name on there. And <laughs> it just happened. It just happened. And it's great. It's fantastic. I love it. Actually, there's, um, this is, I mean, we're talking about it, which kind of sucks, but there is also, it looks like a full version of the art where the, uh, the throne and the scene kind of expands. And th- so there's a live skeletons and robes drinking from their goblets, uh, looking almost ecstatic. But then behind them, mm. there's dead skeletons. <laughs> so there's some sort of there's some sort of lore going on there. I'm sure uh, where these uh, we've got live and dead skeletons, and this whole whole world is being hinted at on this album cover. Just love it. I'm sure, you could do a D and D campaign uh, based off of these album covers. So let's move on to 1988's Leprosy. This is the second album. One year later. One year later. Very, very different. Um, In terms of album cover, since we're on that topic, the death logo is still here. (laughs) It's gone from red to a dark gray. Yes. And we have got a man, presumably with leprosy. He definitely has gross looking skin. He doesn't look healthy, Joe. No, not at all. It's standing in... I don't know. Is that a refugee camp? Let me uh, let me blow this up a little bit here. I, I would like also he's... like to point out that it's. I love that it's mostly pink. 
It is. Yeah. Yeah, the sky is is it's sunsetting, right? It's kind of sunsetty, but like the pink stands out. It does. It actually looks pretty good. I mean, it's a painting and it's a little bit more crisp than the one for Scream Bloody Gore. Yeah. It's less uh, in your face. It's less aggressive, overtly uh, aggressive. The um yeah, the color of the the color of the logo is a bit strange, but honestly, I I do quite like this one. All in all, it's not too, it's a bit cheesy, but not the corniest thing you've seen in your life. It's it's kind of nice. Could be worse. Oh yes, and we'll get to that. <laughs> so, what did you think of this album? I like that one. I like this one a little as well. I think Scream Bloody Gore works for me more overall but leprosy feels very similar in a lot of ways it's it it kind of sounds the same ish to me and i apologize i'm not a musician so i'm gonna you know i just i just speak it like i hear it so i use uh, i might use some dumb terminology or things that sound uh kind of absurd but it's a non-judgmental space i appreciate that uh i will embarrass myself as as i see fit um, but yeah, it sounds it sounds still kind of cavernous. It's still kind of aggressive. His vocals, uh, I'll talk about it later. But like his vocals on this one still sound quite aggressive, and I think they're mixed in a way that that works for me. Uh, still kind of cavernous, still kind of caveman-y. Um, yeah, same same v- basic vocal delivery. Yeah, for me, what stands out is the drum sound is a lot cleaner. Yes, on this one, the, like the like this was clearly recorded in a better studio or with a better producer. And there's obviously like more attention paid to to making everything kind of clear and a little easier to discern what's going on. So like the big thing is the drums. Um, like the bass drum on Scream Bloody Gore is not recorded like what you would associate with death metal. It sounds very um, muddy. And here it's a lot more tight. Yeah. Uh, the guitars are also tighter. Um, not so much that the playing is better, but it, again, it's just a matter of like the recording or mastering. So it, it definitely sounds more polished, but not overtly so, right? No, like it still sounds quite um, primitive in in the delivery. You're right about the drums. Like I do think possibly on the earlier album, uh, recording bass like metal bass drums, that was probably still kind of being figured out i don't know if that i'm was... speaking out of my ass here but you know having no the, it was it yeah was. to make to make a double bass sound right on a recording i'm sure you know takes a lot of trial and error and it sounds a lot muddier on the on the prior one so there's definitely a difference there yeah it's it's hard to record metal um or at least it, it there was a lot of innovation needed to to make it happen right um, and to have it not sound really muddy. But I think the like the opposite thing is like we've heard we've heard this a lot too. If you've listened to more modern records, sometimes it comes off as feeling very flat, very lifeless. So especially double bass, it can end up just sounding like clickety 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 clickety, and it's kind of lame. For sure, like a click track um, going at two hundred and fifty BPM. Exactly, and we're not here. We're not there with this album. This album no. still sounds. A lot raw, um, just cleaner and tighter. Yep. But not too clean, but but actually quite tight. Like the band <laughs> is, the band is in good form here. I would say great form. 
I like this album a bit better than Scream Bloody Gore. I think the songs are a little bit more memorable. I really like the title track. Um, and the vocals are actually a little bit more comprehensible, which maybe is good, maybe is bad. For uh, me, that's <laughs> a negative, Joe. Yeah, it usually is. But I, I don't know. I think I, I do like the sound of Chuck's voice on this album a little bit better than on Scream Bloody Gore. It's definitely more just you can it's more discernible. Yes. Yeah. And he it's he, still you're not going to pick out every nuance of what he's saying. No, he has a very kind of unique a uh, proto growl almost. It's Yeah, this is not like Nile or Cannibal Corpse. If you're familiar with a little bit later death metal, this is not that sound. It's just clearly pointing in that direction. There's like I think at this point you know, if you're in a band now, you can learn how to properly scream or properly gurgle without hurting yourself or, you know, to get a specific sound. But I, at this point in time, these guys were just yelling or doing whatever they, you know, felt, whatever felt right at the time. He was almost certainly just screaming for impact, like just thinking about the sound or just letting out his aggression or his, you know, kind of angsty teenage emotions. Um, and there's something kind of cool about that. Sure. Sounds a little bit more real. Definitely. Agreed. I mean, I always kind of lean towards, you know, over-polished or, or um, kind of punky. Personally, I kind of lean towards the one where I, I feel like they're having fun. You know, yeah. over something that's, and that's, I, I, I'm speaking in the context of metal because overall it's kind of a goofy genre and the whole point is like to feel that sort of, that aggression or that, uh, that angst or whatever it is, it, it just has to, you have to feel that. And if, if it's too polished, it just doesn't really ring true sometimes. Absolutely. I do also think there's a little bit of maturation on this album. Like I think the riffs are a little bit better, a little bit catchier. Yeah, and I, I, I again, I'm, I'm going to be speaking in kind of these vague terms, but there's a way that Chuck plays riffs. There's a lot of these like single note, kind of almost like up and down a short little bit of a scale that he does quite frequently uh, as yeah. kind of um, breaks in the song that he's playing. He'll be right. riffing it extremely fast, through certain parts, through certain verses, very thrash style. And then he'll slow it down to kind of this more almost proggy kind of uh, exotic sounding scale, just up and down, up and down. And often more high pitched. So there's like this contrast between the low, like chugga, 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 mm -hmm. and like these sort of higher pitched lead lines, but yes. they're kind of um, part of the same riff. Yeah. And that's what you're talking about. That is what I'm talking about. And that is as someone who came into this late, that's the parts that I just don't care for. <laughs> Which is why I think you'll, like, why Scream Bloody Gore is my favorite, because it's all that, like, insanely fast alternate picking, just late, you know, just thrash-style guitar. Uh, and then this is where you start to see Chuck arguably becoming a better songwriter when he kind of ventures into that stuff. But to me, it kind of falls flat i don't know i'm gonna people are gonna be mad about this but i think it's i'm coming at this 
years and years later in a first listen in, in 2020, you know, it's strange to take it out of context, right? It's, right. it's a little difficult to uh, compare it to stuff uh, that's coming out now. Uh, but it seemed, I don't know, it, yeah, I, I definitely appreciate the, the faster tunes that Death put out over where they started to get a little bit more experimental, if you will. Okay, well, then we're maybe going to have some divergent opinions <laughs> as we go further, yes. but that's okay. I think we that's will. That's why we're doing this. I like those little proggy bits, as you're calling them. Yes. Um, it depends. It depends on the song. It depends on the album. On this album, I don't think... Um, it, this is not a prog metal album. No, no. So uh, like, we're don't... Using that word is maybe... It's a misnomer. It's not It's not a prog album by any stretch. And th- this barely happens that much in this album, really. Right. There's a lot more of that kind of thing on later albums. But here, it's just... it's To me, it's like little bits of color, little like flashes of melody. And I actually really appreciate it because I think it... it it actually like reinforces the heaviness. Yeah. Like by having a little brief break from it, when you get back to it, it's just, it, it kind of resets the impact a little bit. And I, I think that's probably why he was doing it. A little bit of a quiet, loud, quiet, loud thing. Yeah. While still you being know, loud, actually getting quiet. It's actually <laughs> loud all the time, <laughs> but you get these little bursts of, of melody or of like, you know, semi melody. Let's, let's say, uh, and I think it, it just makes the heavy parts, uh, it kind of resets the impact a little bit. And I, I, I rather like it. The melodies are, the only reason I use prog is that the melodies aren't, you know, um, it's not a pop chord progression or something. It's, it's, it's a little bit angular, if you will, generally, yep. the kind of, the kind no. of sounds that he's playing there. Um, I think proggy or, you know, prog like is, is, is accurate. Mm-hmm. Although uh, there's not nearly as much of that on this album no. as on the later ones. And on the later ones, we're definitely getting into prog territory. All right, let's move to album number three, Spiritual Healing. This came out in 1990. Album cover. Album cover. We got to talk about this album cover. This is not only, and I'm speaking for myself here, uh, but this is not only the worst death album cover this is like one of the ugliest things I've ever seen. I'm surprised I've never seen this on a like worst album covers listicle. Yeah. This this is some ugly shit, man. I don't know what's going on here. The only reason I think that you haven't seen it is is I feel like that's what the intent was. Maybe. It's 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 upsetting in a few ways. It's not nice <laughs> to look at. The the color work is kind of jarring. It's um, very blue. It's very, very blue. So let's just describe it real quick. This is... So first of all, it really stands out because this is just a painting of some people. See, you got a guy in a wheelchair who is bald, presumably sick. He needs some spiritual healing. Maybe it's a guy from the last album. Maybe. Oh, <laughs> could be. I don't think so. He though. started as a skeleton. Look- he got somewhat better... <laughs> And the second he got leprosy. Album. Yeah. And now he's being spiritually healed. Then you've got the spiritual healer who is a, you know, looks like a tent revival preacher with a bolo tie wearing an all white, like, suit. Silk suit almost. Yeah, looks. Looks shiny. 
very shiny suit, maybe kind of a snakeskin thing going on. <laughs> um, and he's about to slap the poor, the poor guy. Um, slap maybe the in the out face. Of well, obviously. And then behind them, there are a bunch of, you know, members of the faithful. And they're all like, ooh, they're all um, clutching Bibles and kind of like with Kind of witnessing, up. right? Yeah, hands up. It's it's definitely like the guy, the, the healer is, is a caricature of some sort, right? Like he's an amalgamation of all the TV preachers. He's he's a televangelist slash tent revival, you know, faith healer. There's a very not subtle kind of jab in this album cover. If you look in the pocket of his vest, it's a whole bunch of dollar bills spilling out of it. Okay. Yeah. See, I'm looking at a small version of it right now and I can't really see it. You really got to blow this one up for that. Little subtle dig. Maybe not so subtle. subtle. Dig. Maybe not. <laughs> But the best part is spiritual healing is in this kind yes. of like gothic font, red, red against a, a a beautiful blue sky. And then you have that death logo also in red, yeah. red and black against this very bright, colorful album cover. It is so jarring. And you know what this <laughs> looks like? So Joe? ugly. This looks what? like when you were surfing the net in 1999. <laughs> And people would just put up these tripod sites and there'd be flaming GIFs and yep. horrible color combinations and you could not read more than three or four sentences without having to leave the website. It's it's just, um, it's hard to look at. And again, I don't know, maybe it was intentional, but it's not, it's, it's not nice. And one last thing, the poor guy in the wheelchair, what is up with his hand? His hand looks gigantic. I think it's an attempt at foreshortening. It's definitely an attempt at foreshortening, but it looks as though he's sick with like handitis. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe his hand is like two and a half times too big. And his other hand, his other hand may be one and a half times too big. And so the faith healer's got to slap the giant hand out of him. Yeah, I think that's a thing. One of your hands is slightly larger than normal, and the other one is definitely larger than normal. <laughs> Terminal. There are no survivors. <laughs> no, no, you just, you just live your life, but you can't put your hands in your pockets. <laughs> you got a special order. Custom pants. Uh, Custom pants and custom sleeves for your shirts. Yeah, you say, listen, I need I need larger pockets. I said, okay, no problem. You say, but wait, one of them has to be slightly larger than the other even. <laughs> kind of strange, but. Now, thankfully, the album cover is the only part of this album that's not good. I'm, I'm just kidding, <laughs> of course. Oh, brutal dig. Brutal dig. This album is, uh, how do we describe it? How do we describe it? Well, you know how I was talking about flat-sounding metal records? This, to me, is the epitome of that. Well, it's not the epitome, but it's a perfect example of one of one of these types of records where everything just comes off sounding uh, clinical. Yeah. Um, there are some okay riffs. Yes, I'm not gonna say that there's nothing good going on here. We can't. Um, we, we like these are obviously all important records. 
they're all decent records, but when we're ranking them, we have to... We're ranking them within the context of a band that is widely admired, considered, you know, one of the greats of, of metal or extreme metal. Yes. And a band that I quite enjoy. I really enjoyed listening to all these albums, but this to me is the worst one. There are some good things on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the title track, Spiritual Healing, or at least I like parts of it. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of these songs are kind of long, kind of meandering and aimless. The production's not great. And the lyrics, oh man, let's talk about the lyrics. They're awkward. Did you read some of them? I did. Um, there, I feel like this is Chuck trying to evolve and speak more seriously Definitely. through his music. I believe he was still quite young at the time. I yeah. think that it comes off quite awkwardly. Um, I in you know, if this came out today, we'd just be dunking on it on Twitter all day long. I think yeah. there's, I you know, I do think I'm I'm reading some of these lyrics like the first song um, about crack babies, a crack baby where you're almost reading, and, and I can't tell if he's doing a bit of both sidesism here or not and it's it's hard to get the intention and maybe you know the author in this case is figuratively and literally dead so it's kind of up to us to take it but maybe i'm giving him too much credit when i kind of read it sometimes his tongue is cheek or you know he's he's being someone else and then responding to it sometimes I did not read the lyrics to that first song like that. So the first song is Living Monstrosity. So this is the early 1990s. So first of all, let's just like kind of explain what's going on with the lyrics here. So there's a big shift between the first two albums where the lyrics are all, you know, death and gore and guts. Yes. Um, And then this album, which is Chuck's attempt at quote unquote social commentary. And... That's kind of a thrash thing. A lot of thrash bands, especially at the end of the 80s, beginning of the 90s, were kind of like dipping their toes into like politics and social commentary to varying degrees of success. Mm -hmm. Like Metallica had their album And Justice for All. Yes. That was 1989, if if I'm not mistaken. So that's what they're trying to do here. Um, But yeah... um, it comes off as just a almost a um, these days this would be what someone on a red pill Reddit subreddit would would write out. It's it comes off as kind of a misogynistic screed almost. Well, the first song in particular, it's about like a crack baby and like condemning the mom for giving birth to this living monstrosity. Yeah. Um, and this was like, you know, the, the the time that there was a big panic about about children crack. born addicted to crack and about crack in general. And of course, now we sort of know that actually being born, you know, having your mother take cocaine like while pregnant is not great, but it's not like actually nearly as bad as like fetal alcohol syndrome. So like I've actually read about it and the whole crack baby sort of moral panic that was taking place in the early 90s was kind of 
way overblown and kind of for nothing. Yes. Yeah. As it turns out, it's not actually that bad. Like I'm not I'm not condoning <laughs> doing cocaine when you're pregnant. It's not great. Like don't. But actually it's like probably worse to be drinking a lot. Um and the whole idea that like children are going to be born without eyes. God, what are the lyrics here? It reminds oh, me a little bit of uh, the three-eyed fish in The Simpsons. You know, oh, there's radiation <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. the lake, and now the fish have three eyes. Um, yeah, I mean, like lyrics. Born without break- eyes, hands, and half a brain. Breaking the mold of human appearance, contorting bodies with chemical interference. Like, this is... Kind of an awkward rhyme. Yeah, that's a weird one, but heavily exaggerated. And it's kind of funny because this is kind of like very like conservative, more it is. panic type lyrics, which you don't necessarily expect in metal. We're starting to realize, though, a lot of the the guys that were playing this type of music in that era, aside from your napalm deaths or whatever, are they've always kind of harbored these I mean, this is such a this is a huge topic inside of metal, but there's always been that sort of conservative mindset in this, and that's true. This is very much a pearl clutching kind of album. It is, aside from the con- condemnation of religion, the rest of it. So there's condemnation of religion, particularly condemnation of like you know people who uh, you know take advantage of the desperate and the poor, and mm-hmm. you know by promising salvation and taking their money and all that. I mean, Metallica covered that as well. They, they kind of did the, mm-hmm. the televangelist dig, uh, leper Messiah, I think was the one. Yeah. Good tune. It's a great tune. And I think they had a couple like that. Um, but yeah, this has that, but other than that, there are, there are a lot of kind of misogynistic screeds, as you say, then you have the song altering the future, which is just Chuck telling us his opinion of abortion and also execution. So he's he's pro-abortion, but he's also pro-capital punishment. And for some reason, those things need to go together in a song. Yeah, the only this is another one that's hard for me to kind of read and and determine. I mean, the intent I think is clear. There is the one line where it says it's their choice to make, which in the entirety of the song kind of stands out uh, because like you said the entirety of the song does seem to say that he's um you know and sorry but it's their choice to make in in the context of everything else it's sort of like wait what are you trying to are you doing you know this side and that side are you doing both sides here and and contrasting them or i don't know like the refrain abortion when it is needed Mm -hmm. execution for those who deserve (laughs) it the giving and taking of life will always be altering the future. Yeah. Yeah, no. It's... Uh, obviously, there's some attempt to tie these two kind of like controversial topics together that have not a lot to do with one another. No, it's, it's not terribly successful. It seems like a um, it's a strange juxtaposition. It's not meant to be. I, I don't know. I don't think it works, really. No, it doesn't work. It's awkward. I, I mean, he was, you know, uh, again, it reads like some sort of weird Reddit post. I, it, it, I mean, I just generally find a lot of the, the lyrics on this album 
kind of reactionary and kind of uh, edgelord. They're a little bit edgelordy. Uh, I mean, the other ones were extremely edgelordy, but in kind of a corny slasher way. And, and slasher movies are part of culture. People understand them. You know, being gross in that sense isn't necessarily shocking. Um, it's It's almost endearing in a way. And then this is sort of... Right. Like the first two albums we can take as kitsch. Mm-hmm. This one is actually like trying to be serious. This one is, I'm saying things about the world. This is my social commentary. This is... And it's a little bit of a trip on his laces, fall on his face kind of. The first yeah. time you try and be serious about things, it just does not come out that well. So if you're looking to get into this band, I would probably not start here. I would agree. It just it doesn't sound good. Uh, the songs are forgettable, and the lyrics, to be fair, hard to decipher unless you're reading them, uh, aren't great. Not great. So that brings us to, I would say, a new era in the band. Yes. So this brings us to 1991, only a year later. This band really changed quickly, like in not that many years. Uh, every album actually sounds quite different, which I like. You have to, uh, as much as we we kind of disliked the last album, it definitely heralded a change in their sound, right? It went from... It is. It, it's the transition between the early, like, proto death metal yes to something new so 1991 the album is human i don't think we need to talk about the album cover it's like it's generic yeah it's pretty generic i think it's better than well no it's better than the last one but it's very generic Better than the last one for sure it's fine it's it's okay it's (laughs) not a problem and the, the they've cleaned up the logo a little bit it's a little bit less busy now they took out the uh, spider web, Joe. They did. Unless the spider web is black on black. No, Cut I it. think it's gone, though. Um, this album is the beginning of a more prog sound. Yes. More of a technical death metal sound. Uh, although if you're, f- if you're familiar with this genre th- through, like, as you were saying earlier, like mid-2000s tech death, um, it's not there. No. This is early 90s. The level of complexity is not as um, overbearing as some of the later bands like uh, Necrophagist. and. Uh, yeah. No, it sounds a lot more uh, natural in a way than a lot of that stuff does. Lyrics. You know, I actually really didn't read many lyrics for this album, so I can't really speak to them too much. But if we look at the if we I, I did read the lyrics for Suicide Machine, but I, I don't remember what it's about. But let's just <laughs> look at a couple of the names of the songs. Flattening of Emotions, Suicide Machine, Together as One, Secret Face, and so on and so forth. So definitely getting away from the gore sound. Sure. I, I mean they're totally gone with they're totally done with that now. Cosmic C, almost a, a cosmic shift in their lyrics. <laughs> And maybe sounds. Although that one is an instrumental. So no no <laughs> cosmic lyrics on Cosmic Sea. No, but certainly a cosmic shift. Definitely. I like this album. This is... Let me just uh, make sure that I'm right about this. So this <laughs> is the one they did with Paul Masvidal and Sean Reinert from Cynic. 
Have you listened to Cynic at all? Yes. What do you think of Cynic? Too proggy. Too proggy? Personally, yeah. Never... I... I listened to to Cynic a little bit just while we were kind of work while I was working my way through these albums just because I had never really listened to them and I liked Cynic. I thought Cynic was pretty cool. They um, do that vocoder a, thing, right? A little bit, yeah. yes. <laughs> um which is not my favorite, but I I like this better. Yeah. Uh but I thought Cynic was kind of cool. For sure, and they're so, again, they're also kind of a legendary, legendary group as well. So it's cool that there's some crossover there. Yeah, so I think that helps to explain the new sound. Is he's he's collaborating with new people who are doing something different, and these songs are a lot more complicated. They have more parts, and uh, the riffs are getting getting more melodic. I think often getting a little bit catchier. Yeah. So it's not all bad. If if you're <laughs> if you're worried that this is going to be like uh you know, prog out sections in a dream theater song, it's not. No. Uh these songs still are pretty grounded, pretty rooted in like some kind of main riff. Uh but definitely, you know, we're pushing the the, the these songs are probably a lot harder to play. Definitely. There's also, I did want to, when I listen to this, um, compare it to Spiritual Healing, which came before, which just sounded so weak. This mm-hmm. one has a much better recording, in my opinion. Just it's, it's a lot cleaner, obviously, than the ones that preceded Spiritual Healing, but it has, the oomph is back. Like, it hits you harder again. It doesn't sound so uh, plasticky, you know? There's... There's a better job done there in the sound sound department. The sound is great on this one. I, I think this one sounds really good. And you've even got some kind of like slap bass in a few places. Like the bass gets a little funky at times. It's it's interesting. Death is cool in this in in that sense where you can often make out the bass quite clearly in their songs. Especially in their later albums. Yes. Sometimes my favorite part of a song will be a part where the bass is doing something distinct from the guitar and the bass kind of takes over as the main instrument and the guitar is kind of like, you know, kind of playing second fiddle to the bass. So I think that's yeah. cool. There's a bit of, yeah, they do a bit of counterpoint guitar yep. bass interplay, which is pretty cool. Um, I, yeah, th- this definitely is where they became. I think to me, this is the death sound. Yeah, what most people would associate with death. Yeah. Whereas, like, Spiritual Healing heralded it, and maybe why Scream Bloody Gore and Leprosy were such a, a revelation to me, because they sounded so different and so much more just straight ahead thrashy, and I got really excited about that. Where this is more what I remember death sounding like when I did listen to them, you know, in high school or whatever. And see, for me, I'm coming at it from the opposite end. Well, not not from the opposite end, but for me, what I listened to in high school of Death was their last album, and everything else was a revelation uh, because they're all so much less meandering and proggy than that last album, which we will get to. I don't really have a lot more to say about Human. No, me neither. 
I think it's it's a big shift in sound. It's solid record. It's really solid. It's the beginning of that kind of era for death that's not exactly proggy, but more uh, adventurous kind of metal. I think it's quite good. I would recommend it. So two years later, 1993, we have the album Individual Thought Patterns. We yes. are now officially at the point where we don't need to talk about album covers. This one is like... <laughs> It's even less distinct than the previous one. Yeah, I can't even make out what it's supposed to be. I guess a skull. You know what it reminds me of, though? It reminds me a lot of the aesthetic on the Converge album covers. I was going to say, it reminds me of a cross between the album covers for Jane Doe and No Heroes. Yep. Yeah, the background is No Heroes, and the and the foreground is, is Jane Doe. Yes. 100%. So individual thought patterns uh, features, a, again, a totally new lineup. The guys from Cynic are gone. And the guitarist Andy LaRock is playing on here. And Andy LaRock, I'm not sure if that's how he pronounces it, but let's call it. LaRock. Well, he's... he's français, uh, Joe. But he's not Francais. He's not, uh, he's not French. No, he's not. His he last name is... Swedish. No, well, okay, I actually just looked this up on Wikipedia. So his he was born Anders Alhaga in oh. uh he's Swedish and Americanized slash Francicized his name to Andy Larac or Larac. It's almost Quebecois to me. He like French Canadian his name <laughs> to something a lot to me personally as someone from Canada, uh, a lot lamer than, than his old name. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Too bad, buddy. He wanted to sound like an American, like a North American anyway. So he is the a guitarist from the band King Diamond. That surprises me a little bit because King yeah. Diamond is very different from Death. Um, m- more of a More of an old school metal band. Very much so. Are you familiar with their music? Yeah. I, I've i always found King Diamond, um, the lyrics a little... Not the lyrics, sorry, the vocals a little bit much. Yeah, That insane falsetto. I yeah. appreciate a falsetto. He took it to an absurd level. And right. it, it kind of takes me out of the tunes. Definitely a band I would have liked to see live, though. Probably very good, yeah. And a cool Back stage show and, and all sorts of stuff. Very theatrical. Uh, very different than this, for sure. Yeah, so it's it's interesting to hear someone from a band that plays a much more old-school style of metal playing on definitely the most progressive death album yet. Uh, definitely something kind of bizarre about that. And their first music video yeah i was gonna say we have to talk about that so this contains their first music video which got airplay on mtv and got made fun of on beavis and butthead which is great which is great i haven't watched the clip i haven't seen the clip of beavis and butthead making fun of this did you watch it no could you splice it into this i before release i might be able to we'll see yeah that's probably a copyright thing but man that'd be great I'll look into it. Maybe I could throw in a few seconds and say it's fair use. Um, <laughs> but that 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 on its own is kind of a big deal for 
a metal band, you know? It's a huge deal. See, in the early 90s, that's how you knew you had almost made it. Is <laughs> you were getting your music video made fun of by Beavis and Butthead. Because they had that recurring, uh, you know, little bit where they would be watching MTV and just like making fun of whatever video was playing. Yeah, just do a mystery science theater thing and just talk shit about whatever they were watching. Um, what is it? It, it? The Wikipedia here says they mistake the boy in the video for Jeremy from the Pearl Jam video <laughs> and mock his vocals. So pretty good stuff. I mean, I love that show, so I, I would certainly like to watch this. I'll, I'll load it up afterwards. Yeah, I got to check that out. I should have definitely watched that before we recorded this. But that's kind of a big deal. And I, I did watch at least part of the music video, and it's kind of weird. I <laughs> I didn't really know what to make of it. So the song is... The Descri- last... Describe it to me, Joe. The song It's like there's a boy running in slow-mo... And like the band is playing, and that's about all I can remember. It, 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 it's not spectacular, but the song is the last track on this album. It's called "The Philosopher," and I think it is the standout track from this album. Sounds like they did too, Joe. Made a music video for it. I think they made the right choice, though. I think it's a good tune, for sure. Do you want to speak to that at all? Well, um. No, I don't. Okay. I don't have anything more to say. We can come back to it. We'll, we'll circle back around to that one. <laughs> what did you think of this album? This is where, for me, it all kind of starts to mishmash together. So the first Death album I listened to was Symbolic, and I, I listened to it a decent amount. Um, and that, So that's the one I know the best. And then this one to me sounds very similar to to what I call the death sound, which is, in my mind, what symbolic sounds like, because that was the first thing I heard by them. So individual thought patterns and and symbolic, it's just kind of that sort of quote-unquote progressive death metal. And they're somewhat interchangeable to me personally. Um, I think this one is more... I, I kind of conflate this one more with the last album human Mm -hmm. more so than symbolic to me symbolic stands out as being its own thing symbolic does stand out and it has yeah it has some some of the case well we'll talk about that later but i mean it's uh, yeah it's there's not a lot to say about this album that we didn't already say about the last one uh but i do think the philosopher is a good tune so check that one out all right Let's talk about Symbolic. I think Symbolic is probably the most popular and best known album by Death. And in my opinion, for good reason. So this is 1995. And I would say, well, not I would say, this is the most melodic thing that they had released yet. There's a lot more melody in the guitars than we've heard thus far. So on the one hand, they're pushing in a more progressive direction. The songs are starting to have more sections, you know, more changes of tempo and time signature, or whatever. Although they don't play with time that much, no. so it's if you're if you're turned off by like really awkward rhythms, you're 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 good. There's not a lot of that here. Um, we keep saying prog, but it really is quite far away from that, you know. Like if you're thinking dream theater or or anything in that vein, yeah, it's it's not that. But at the same time, 
there's more melody than ever. And I think there's no better example of that than what I would think is probably the most, like the best known song on this album, which is Crystal Mountain. Yes. Which I think is my favorite song here. I quite like this song. Agreed. Um, Great riffs, some great lead guitar lines that just sound really melodic and I think, honestly, beautiful at points. You know, I I was complaining earlier about how I didn't really enjoy when they slowed down the tempo. I thought the the kind of one note up and down the scale... uh, seemed a little boring but in this song the slow parts are really nice like they sound great there's a little bit i think of like acoustic guitar in the background there um and so there's there's a recurring part with like a cleaner guitar yes um there is acoustic guitar at the end so there's a there's an acoustic guitar solo that plays as the song is fading out at the end but it's playing over like these heavy riffs yeah which I think is kind of cool. I haven't heard that done very often in metal. And it's it's weird because it stands out in this case too because it's not done elsewhere on the record or even on their other records. So it's it's definitely kind of a leap, but it works really well on this song. I, I do think that when when you mentioned Death, I think that was the song that just popped into my head is Crystal Mountain because that one just really is... Uh, in a league of its own almost yeah i like this song a lot i think this may be my favorite death song but there are others on here that i like a lot as well so the first track symbolic i think is is quite good and i really like the song without judgment yep this song has several really cool parts uh it gets very eerie near the end and has probably my favorite guitar solo of any death song it's like the first solo in this song i don't know if you remember oh you know it's weird about death for a band that's kind of lauded as as being one of the first kind of technical uh, death metal bands or even the first death metal band but i don't really remember the guitar solos in their songs and it's not really what i listen to them for so on one on one side you know they're not kind of those annoying uh too long kind of wanky solos no they tend to keep them short and they especially here they really fit with the theme of the song right they don't like they're not a part of its own that kind of is meant to to stand uh, aside from everything else it just kind of works in the context i think the one time that you get like a really cathartic solo is the one i'm talking about on the song without judgment and it's it's really good though it's short right so it's not like you're not being punished for like half an hour with like like how fast i can play my arpeggios it's it's actually the guitar solo is a little bit slow so you get to kind of like really hear the melody in it and i think it's it sounds really really good you splice that bad boy in here think you can do that um, we'll see we'll see <laughs> I get this i'm so getting this I, podcast pulled this thing's getting pulled off of Spotify, baby. I'm not doing that. I'm not. We got a that. Beavis and Butthead clip. We've got song clips. I might be able to do Beavis and Butthead, but I think song clips are a no-no. And getting DMCA'd. Yep. I think uh, Spotify just automatically pulls you if you've got 
There's an algorithm. Yes. This is progress. (laughs) This is this this is is progress. This is the altered future Chuck was warning us about. (laughs) The giving and taking of life leads to the giving and taking of Joe's podcast. Of (laughs) yeah, exactly. So I like this album. This is, I think, my favorite. And certainly my favorite of the kind of, as you call it, the death sound. And I yep. think this is the one people should start with. Unless unless you're looking for something really thrashy, and then you should definitely start with Scream Bloody Gore. Go for the Mike albums. Go for the Mike I albums. I think this one, for me, uh, probably stands out as well. I think a lot of it has to do with nostalgia because this was the one that I'd heard and listened to quite a bit before. Um, And that may be why individual thought patterns in human didn't really stand out that much when I went to them because it just, they were working towards this. And see, I think here they, they really got the sound. They, they dialed it into the right level. The songs are, complicated and and sophisticated but it's still relatively short like the average length seems to be about four and a half minutes which is not short but for metal is actually not too bad the albums never overstay their welcome most of them are under an hour i think they might all be i think so 45 minutes kind of length yeah this this one is 50 50 minutes which is not they're pushing it joe I'm a millennial. This is, but, but remember, th- this is a CD era album. So as soon as the CD came out, albums went from being eight songs, forty-five minutes to eighty, however long, four hours to and a half, seventy to seventy, eighty minutes with so much padding, like fourteen songs. And now that we're back, I was now that we're back on records, and bands are pressing records. It's like they're they're four discs now, yeah. And you spend like eighty dollars on four discs. You have to switch it eight times while you're listening to it. It's pretty sweet. But also, given that we're in the Spotify era, we're seeing singles come back. Singles are back. People listen to music one song at a time these days, man. I don't want to complain about the Zoomers, but they're listening to playlists, not albums. Altered futures. The crack babies we were warned of—they've taken over. Oh boy! Actually, I—we're—we're we're that generation. We're, we're the—we're that generation. We're the lost generation. <laughs> yes. All right, so we gotta—we gotta wrap this up with the last album by Death. Uh, Chuck Schuldiner died in I think 2001, so this was his last go. 1998's The Sound of Perseverance. With, I think this is, I think we maybe should talk about this album cover. It's There's cool. Like, it is cool. I like it. It's, it's got, uh, let me, let me just pull it up here and describe it. Yeah. Um, it's red. It's a red gradient. It's kind of a circular gradient starting with an orange in the center and blowing out to kind of a darker red. The focal point is a mountain on the face of it, but then the mountain is screaming there's an open mouth and if if i'm looking at it closely like there's there's people climbing it 
like people striving to get to the top of the mountain it looks like and i think there are people falling from it as well there could very well be it also it has kind of um it feels big it feels epic that this this album cover it stands out because the last few almost felt like uh the aesthetic is like photocopied gig poster almost for the last three albums and then this one is this oil painting that that really kind of reminds me it's like a Basinski painting it's kind of got this evil vibe uh it, it almost goes back to their first few records yep and style which is cool. I think it looks it looks a lot like the Scream Bloody Gore album, at least in terms of the color, mm-hmm. like the the color palette, and also just the the dark feeling that it evokes. I think it I think it actually is quite nice. I think it's probably my favorite. Let's album rank covers. the album covers. This one is number one for sure. This one's number one. I think Scream Bloody Gore is definitely number two. Then maybe maybe Leprosy. Yeah, and then it would be all the ones that kind of look the same. This the, yeah. the the ones that look like a collage, and then it would be spiritual healing. That affronts to the eyes, just <laughs> difficult to look at. I did want to say um, as well the last few albums in the, in that kind of shift of sounds, like the mixing of the vocals really changed. I felt, and the vocal style. You know that that's something we haven't even mentioned. The vocal style completely changed, starting yep. with human i think like there's just a progression from each album he's singing higher and higher and it's higher pitch yeah it's more human sounding you can understand what he's saying quite frequently it's it's kind of an interesting kind of jump because when i went back to scream bloody gore i was like whoa this is this is crazy this is much more like what i expected death metal vocals to sound like they're muddled and hard to decipher and then we went to that sound where it's grunted in a way, but it's still, he's enunciating and you can kind of understand the lyrics. By symbolic, you can almost make out everything. I mean, yep. you, you kind of have to pay attention, but, um, you know, like in Crystal Mountain, when he's singing, you know, here on Crystal Mountain, evil takes its form. You can you can actually make it out. Yes. And I think on this album, it's even more clear. Yeah. The, the clarity of the vocals has really gone up. Um, which, you know, may be a curse and a blessing, but, uh, well, it made them feel, um, good enough to pull off the bonus track, if you would, on this album, which kind of rules. It is. It's good. We'll get to that. Let's get to, uh, impressions of this album. So I'm, I'll, I'll talk first. This is the one I was first made familiar with many years ago. And I really liked it, but I always had a bit of an issue with the fact that a lot of the songs will start off really kicking ass, like they fast, do. cool riffs and and lots of them and good ones. And like things progress and sure, the riffs change from one to another. You might have a few tempo changes, but a lot of these songs have a part where they just stop there's like a, f- a second of, of silence and then you have like, you know, some meandering bass riff or some like quiet guitar part. And then like it slowly builds back to the original part and then kind of like ends. And it's like, okay, fine. Do that once. Have like one song. You know, it really reminds me of like the form for like Master of Puppets by Metallica, you know, like yep. the clean part in the middle. Yep. And you can get away with that 
occasionally. If it's Master of Puppets. If you're friggin' Metallica and you've written Master of Puppets, Death do this like three times on this album, and it drives me nuts. Because the songs lose all their momentum, they lose all their energy, and by the time they get back to it, I like I don't care anymore. So yep. it happens on the first song, which Scavenger of Human Sorrow. I wanted to 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 just say the beginning of the song rules. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. It starts with this fast, really cool drum part, and then this awesome riff. I think it's one of the best riffs Chuck ever wrote. And and then the first line, which is dragged out over a couple repetitions of the riff, which is, what pain will it take to satisfy your sick appetite? Go in for the kill. It sounds great. The song rules. It does. But then like two thirds of the way in, it just completely stops, loses all its momentum, and it makes me mad. I, it, that does feel like, on a larger scale, a metal problem. It is. And a and, and difficulty with being succinct. Yes. And just writing a good three-minute song. But this is why I like Symbolic, because they didn't indulge as much on that album. And they kept the songs under control, and they kept the songs moving. And there was Dynamics. Yes, exactly. Dynamics aren't the problem. Like, Crystal Mountain has Dynamics, but they're integrated really well, and it works. Mm-hmm. On this album, it, they went too far, man. They went too far. I listened to this album, and again, this was a first listen for me. The beginning of Scavenger of Human Sorrow, I was like, oh, this is going to be my favorite, bar none. Like, just, I just thought, this is it. This is the best one by so far. So much promise. And then... I realized I'd finished the album and I kind of forgot what happened. I was sitting there working and I was like, wait, it's done. And the only time that like, I realized that when they started playing painkiller and I was like, wait, what? And I looked back and I saw we had gone through so many tracks and none of them really jumped out at me since the beginning of scavenger. To me, there are parts that jump out and are great. Like I think this album has like if it if 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 it had been edited better if somebody yeah. had been there and said like Chuck you can't you can't make this song be seven minutes long you just can't do it it's it you don't have enough riffs to, and and nobody cares this could have been their best album like bar none I totally agree with you it has some of the best ideas but also some of the worst ideas yeah it's a little bit of the there's excesses here for sure and it it needed an editor. It could have been awesome, but here you're like we were just saying how their albums are are generally kept to a kind of a reasonable playtime, but just looking through the the song lengths like seven minutes, eight and a half minutes, six minutes, six minutes, Actually, seven and a half. The, the total length is only fifty six minutes, so it's not that much longer than uh, than symbolic. But man, it feels, feels longer. so long. It feels a lot longer. And uh, I hate to say it, but the one thing that stands out is their cover of Painkiller at the end to me. Um, yeah, so let's talk about that. Painkiller, this is a Judas Priest song from the album Painkiller by Judas Priest. Uh, I love that song, the Judas Priest original. It's a great uh, heavy metal slaps. song. Slaps. It really does. It's fantastic. It like, just starts with one of the most recognizable drum intros of all time. Just kind of this almost, it's just such an iconic double kick kind of intro. Very like militaristic drum intro. Um, 
not too flashy, but like really intense. Very simple, actually. I mean, probably not the easiest thing to play. Like you wouldn't play this at your first drum lesson. And actually, like the the, the drum intro to Scavenger of Human Sorrow kind of reminds me of that drum intro. I I bet that it was influenced by it. It kind of makes sense. That may be why they decided to throw in the painkiller cover at the end of the song, or maybe they had been playing painkiller for fun as a warm up and were inspired. Yeah. I mean, that would be surprised by that. So what did you think of uh, of Death's cover of Painkiller? I liked it quite a bit. I think it's a hard song to cover, especially when it's such an iconic tune and Rob has such a distinct sounding voice. Especially on that album. Yeah. And and like he like I think to be fair, Chuck didn't like try to just mimic it exactly. He kind of made it his own. But no, because he's he is doing the the high pitched screams as opposed to like the falsetto. Yes, um, screamy falsetto. Because like Rob Halford on Painkiller, you can he's still singing melodies. He's singing notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Chuck is not. Chuck no. is just. It, well, he, there's an attempt. The words. There's a there, little there, bit of an attempt at a melody uh, in the especially vocal on delivery. Painkiller. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, but not the same way as with Judas Priest. So yeah, I I like this cover too. I don't like it as much as the original. No, it does sound more clinical, um, and the guitar solos don't have that just really epic feel that you get oh, with the that, original. That was the for me. That was the big difference is the guitar solos. And these are like heavy metal wank solos that, you know, people know it's, it just did not sound epic. It did not sound, uh, it didn't blow your face off like the painkiller ones do, because those are like someone just being like, hey, check me out. And you're like a gog listening to it a little bit, you know? I love the solos in painkiller, like the original. They're Um, great. To me, they, they're, great. they're excessive, but they work in the context of the song. They're just, they're, they're perfect. They're excessive, but I think they, they absolutely bring something to the music. So I will The whole song them. is excessive. Oh, oh, of course. Of course. It's about like a giant flying robot motorcycle thing. Yeah. What do you expect, man? The just... second or third most sung about meta, uh, metal lyrical trope. The giant robot flaming motorcycle. Beast. Yeah. Yeah. So the the cover definitely stands out. And actually near the end, Chuck does sing melodically a little bit. He does Mm -hmm. the, this is the painkiller. And he actually sings in more of a baritone. It's kind of interesting. That's not too bad. No. It kind of works. Not too bad at all. But yeah, I think it's um, trying to cover that song is, is certainly setting the bar really high. It's ballsy, ballsy move. It is ballsy, and it almost worked. Parts of it worked, let's say. Yeah, I think it, on the whole, it's pretty good, but it's not. You know, you're you're asking for trouble when you go up against the original of that song. Yeah. So, An interesting thing is uh, the song. There's a song on here called "Spirit Crusher," and there was an album I quite liked a few years ago called "Spirit Crusher," and now I'm realizing that it was an homage to this tune. Oh yeah, and uh, What's me the being band? Uh, Dodds Rit. There's an umlaut in there. It's a Swedish thing, <laughs> you know. Is it a good album? It's pretty cool. It's one of those. It's kind of an overdone 
thing at this point, but it's one of those kind of melodic, uh, atmospheric black metal things. Sounds okay. a little bit like explosions in the sky, but heavy as hell. Okay, so like... Like Death rock. Heaven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not a bad record. Check it out. Yeah. Check it out. Spirit Crusher by the... What's the band again? Dodds Ritz. D-O-D-S-R-I-T. And there's an umlaut somewhere in there. Couldn't tell you on what letter. One of the one of the vowels. <laughs> I think that's how those work. Usually. Usually. Unless you're Spinal Tap. So that's uh, that's the sound of perseverance. I think uh, I th- I wish they had persevered a little bit less and just kept the song Jesus a little shorter. <laughs> the sound of starting, like man, that yeah. There's so many good starts on this. <laughs> Almost every song starts really well. Yeah, I will say that. And there's an instrumental too, which like is mostly acoustic, and I, I didn't like it very much. The voice of the soul. Not my yeah, favorite. Yeah, no, it it didn't. No, didn't work for me, Joe. No, but I think yeah, you know this one. This one was special to me in that it almost was the one. You know, when I was listening recently, I was like, oh my god, this is going to be great. And to me, this was the one. It was the only one I knew for the longest time. But I think symbolic symbolic does with this album tried to do but does it better symbolic they don't they should have they should have quit while they were ahead did you hear that one that i did just symbolic, right now symbolic yeah. don't. symbolic don't did you hear that i heard that thanks okay cool just wanted you to acknowledge it okay <laughs> symbolic don't just want to give you a really hard editing job <laughs> <laughs> no this won't be too bad just want to ruin your week joe <laughs> Good luck. So this was Death. Any closing thoughts on this band? I feel like I would like them so much more if I listened to them when I was supposed to listen to them, which was, you know, right after I got into Iron Maiden and Metallica and was starting to get into the kind of more aggressive vocals and and stuff like that. That's probably Um, the right time to get into this band. Definitely. And I did have kind of a technical metal phase, too, where I was pretty excited by all that stuff. But now, as a man who's way too old to be listening to this stuff still, I think that the goofier first two albums, to me, are just that sort of... Those are my favorite. That's the sort of style I'm after with this kind of death metal, is just straight-up aggressive, no pretension, just goofy lyrics, slasher lyrics, and... Those are those are where I stand. And while I can and while I can appreciate that era of the band, I think I'm going to have to go with the uh, slightly later stuff, particularly that penultimate album, Symbolic. I think uh, you know, starting to get respectable. Yeah, and it heralded a kind of the thing about these is they're so influential in so many ways, but like Symbolic heralded a, a sound as well like it created a whole subgenre of of kind of progressive uh, angular technical death metal or whatever the necrophagists that you mentioned earlier and you know the other bands of that ilk so it, it's these are all important records you know so but if that stuff is too wanky for you don't worry death were uh well i'll catch here definitely Definitely. 
Definitely. Nailed it. All right, Mike. Well, this has been fun. Let's do it again soon. Maybe covering a, a band that, that doesn't have like this many albums. If we're going like to do a three? whole discography. Three records, maybe? I think three, four, five would be good. So I think we were talking about Emperor. I think Emperor would be a good choice. Emperor would be interesting. Um, I think it'd be funny, since you made me do this, to do something that you, that you don't know that well. <laughs> Yeah, we'll uh, we'll kick back some ideas and we'll get something else sorted out. All right, this has been Metal with Mike, the special series of the podcast Quarter Rest. I'm Joe Diaco. I'm Metal Mike. Gucci. <laughs> yeah. See ya. <laughs> <laughs>